Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. here for the big race tomorrow? No, actually, we're here to get laid. Why don't you slip into something more comfortable? I didn't bring anything more comfortable. Well, how about me? Tell me, dipshit. Who's gonna stop me? My friend Rag here, he's multilingual. He's flipping you off in 48 languages. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Six Degrees of Retro, episode 14, here on the Hollywood Greg Podcast Network. So glad you could join us this super, super hot. God, here in Hollywood, it's hotter than hell this Sunday when we're recording. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like 102 outside in Hollywood. It's crazy. It's the perfect backdrop for our episode this week. We are doing sex comedies of the 80s. Back in the Reagan era, there were all these teenage comedies. Took place at colleges, at high schools. Lots and lots of sex, lots and lots of bikinis, lots and lots of board shorts, lots and lots of fun. I can't emphasize that enough. We are in an era right now where no one is having fun, and I decided, you know what? We need to bring the fun back <laughs> into society, at least for this episode. I see, speaking of fun, my uh, co-host... Video Vixen, are you there? I'm here. Speaking of Miss Fun, how are you doing? Oh, it's it's hot here in Oregon too. It's over a hundred <laughs> degrees. Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember exactly how hot it's supposed to get today, but like by this morning, it was already in the eighties. So, yeah. But it's it's nice to be inside talking to you about one of my favorite genres of movies so i'm super excited about that so why is this one of your favorites 
Um, these were the kind of films that, you know, my brother and I would sneak and watch when nobody was around. Uh, some of these films we watched several times. So uh, they just have like a, you know, soft place in my heart. Uh, you know, these are the, the films that we learned about sex from. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Because no I, one was ever really, our parents weren't talking to us about this stuff. So you had to watch movies and read books and talk to your friends and kind of piece together what was real and what wasn't based on, I, you know, those three ways of, of, of learning. I know my parents didn't tell me a damn thing. I had to rent adult films from my father one time, and that's a whole story within itself. Anyway, <laughs> I would record these movies, all these sex comedies. We had two stations, pay stations, that would come on in Chicago in the early 80s, and uh, one was called On TV, and the other one, one was Spectrum. And I talked my dad into getting Spectrum because they had their two adults-only movies that would come on at 10.30. And my father would tell me to set the VCR, our beta VCR, to record these <laughs> fine films. And he always planned on watching them, but I got very, um, uh, you know, very uh, Hughes Brothers, let's just say. Were those uh -huh. the guys, who were the guys that in the Tenderloin in uh, San Francisco that were showing movies? Uh, they did a movie with Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. You guys go look it up. Uh, Google that. Uh, they would exhibit porn in the Tenderloin, and basically I was the softcore porn connection of Chicago, of Albany Park, and... I would charge five bucks a head for guys to come in and watch the movies. <laughs> so there were <laughs> 20 dudes like piled on top of each other on our two couches and our love seat, not well named for the time of uh, what we were doing, but just gawking, <laughs> hoping for boobs. Yeah. So you and your brother would watch them. That, that, that's great. That's, that's, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, well, I've, I've told it before, but, you know, I was the queen because we moved a lot. And I was the queen of figuring out how to get HBO on the TV when my mother wasn't in the financial circumstances to pay for it. Sometimes we had mm -hmm. cable. Sometimes we didn't. The times we didn't, I would figure out how to pirate it. And uh, some of these movies that we're going to talk about today are definitely movies that I remember watching, uh, maybe not in a pristine condition, but good enough to hear what was happening and to kind of see what was happening. There was always that famous squiggly line that would go down the middle sometimes when it was scrambled. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you could hear the you know ooh and the eyeing and the umming, you know, in the background. Yeah. yeah. Every guy that's over the age of, let's say, you know, 40 definitely knows that and some girls too uh let's yep. i wanted to quickly just run down a films and we're going to touch on these plot points there are about five or six things that were a constant in these movies um the first one i wanted to start with is all these films 
usually take place at some point in a big house, a rich person's house, a mansion, uh, somewhere on the beach, very nice beach house. And it always cracked me up. And when I came out here to L.A., I talked to a lot of people that used to produce these movies. And it was kind of like a, a dick measuring contest for these producers as to who had mm. their house in their movie and who had the nicer house in their movie. <laughs> Because it was a free location, you know, they were right. the ones producing it. They had an excuse to show, have this huge party at their house. There was always a party in every one of these movies. And it was, so it was just an excuse to write off a party and film it pretty much. <laughs> and me off of it, hopefully selling tickets. Um, <laughs> yeah. All, all these movies had that, uh, we there was always a party always a huge party and every single one of yours i saw uh we're going to run down six movies here today uh we're not going to do the 12 that we've done before we're going to try and streamline that a little, little bit so we can talk more about the movies and not rush through them and uh kind of talk more about the genre itself uh what are some of the things you remember being in all of the sex comedies in the 80s Shower scenes. Yeah, there you go. There's always the obligatory girl taking a shower scene. Sometimes it's a dude taking a shower, but not as often. Mostly it's a girl taking a shower. And uh, uh, I don't know what to say. I would say if you watch like a bunch of these movies, one right after another from the 80s, you got to figure, like, how did some of these quote unquote teenage girls get pay for these boob jobs? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of fake titties happening. And a lot you know, of like, fake ones. Wait, she's supposed to be a teenager, right? What? How did this happen? You know, but well, there's I, a lot of. There's a lot of body doubles in these movies, too. It's funny. You'll have some girl, and she kind of has smaller or medium-sized rack going on, and then all of a sudden she has these big fake boobs in the nude scenes, and it's because of a yeah. nice, convenient edit. She, won't, she can act, but she doesn't want to show her chest. She doesn't want to get naked. So when the bikini top comes off, all of a sudden you don't see her head. You know? <laughs> You see, um, you know, see the boobs. And, you know, that was what you were looking for on a Friday night, Saturday night, or on a VHS tape you rented and, you know, watched with everybody else. That, that, that's boobs. Right, yeah, we can segue right into that. Come boobs. Some of these, Lots of boobs. Yeah. Some of these shower scenes are pretty hysterical because for some reason it's assumed that women just have no problem getting naked in front of each other all the time under any circumstances. Like it's just yeah. a thing that happens. And sorry to disappoint you guys and girls, whoever, who think this, but that's just not true. Nope. <laughs> it just doesn't happen like that. But I guess when you're getting paid and the script says so, it's kind of easy. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In these movies, we'll get to other genre points. Uh, but one of the other things is 
there's a lot of anti-establishment humor that comes in these, you know, going after the man, going after the rich people at the college, going against the government. And that shows up a lot in these movies. And uh, this is what kind of makes these movies different. And it's why I wanted to do sex comedies of the 80s specifically, because these movies, the roots go all the way back to the late 60s, early 70s, David Friedman, the nudie cutie movies where there were this like Mm -hmm. girls getting naked. And in the 70s, um, it was really um, you still have stupid plots in these, but it was basically just nudity for nudity's sake. Whereas for some reason in the 80s, we got they tried to put a social consciousness in them. And it was very anti-Reagan, very anti-rich people. You know, the underdogs deserve the party and uh, the rich Mm -hmm. people don't screw them. You know, they don't deserve to have this stuff. So uh, I noticed that as a through line in the 80s and not so much in the 70s where uh, it was just kind of, okay, let's show a bunch of girls driving around in the van and. They're going to get naked, you know, some yeah, horrible plot. I, I agree. Like yeah. Uh, 70s was more about let's just show some skin. Let's yeah. just see how much nakedness we can actually get on the screen, you know, in an hour and a half. Whereas uh, in the 80s, you know, we, they're, you know, fight the power. They're fighting the power of, you know, either school authority or parental authority or the government, or the military, or what, I mean, you name it, they were fighting against it. And that yeah. gave it, you know, uh, you know, uh, it made it seem like these movies weren't just about the sex part. And uh, there were a great many of them that were, uh, but, you know, they try to, you know, bring in a kind of social element to them, too. Yeah. That way they could legitimize them as kind of a deeper movie. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's start with movie number one, and we're going to start ladies first with the video vixen here. Trista, uh, start us off with our first uh, sex comedy. Well, the first one I'm going to start with is, it was the first one that sprung to my mind, even though it's not my favorite, but it's one of my favorites. And it's the number one movie that I remember uh, watching on pirated cable. Cause I think I watched this movie every single time it was on HBO. If I was in the house and that is uh, 1983's uh, spring break. Uh, it was directed by uh, Sean S. Cunningham. So for those of you <laughs> who are in the know, he's the director who brought us Friday the 13th. So if you watch this movie and watch Friday the 13th, you'll be like, what? The same person did these two films? It's kind of a a mind bender, but yes, he did this. Um, Yeah. He also, he also did uh, last house on the left. He uh, produced with Wes Craven for crying out loud. He was a big whole, this guy was smart. He went with the trends. So when it was sex movies, he went with sex movies. When it was horror, he went with horror. Basically, he's a, a exploitation genius. We'll just say. Did Mr. he Cunningham. do that? Did he do that uh, kids baseball movie too? Was that him? The new. 
the New Kids? Uh, no, he did The New Kids, but that wasn't... He did uh, The New Kids. I think that might have been after spring break, but I could swear, and I mean, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought he did like a Bad News Bears kind of yes. knockoff, too. Here Come the Tigers. Yes. Yes. He did Here Come the Here Tigers come the in 1978. Tigers. So, yeah, he was very good at riding a trend and, you know, ripping off a genre. But, I mean, Friday the 13th was one of the, you know, leaders in that slasher era. You know, that and Halloween were basically it. And then everybody copied them. But, uh, yeah, Spring Break, please tell us the uh, intricate plot of this film. <laughs> So here's the, the intricate plot. Um, four guys, uh, Nelson, Adam, Stu, and O.T., they all head to Fort Lauderdale for spring break, and they end up having to share a room because they both get – they all get booked into the same room, you know, by mistake. So Nelson and Adam, they're friends, and they're, they're kind of on the dorky side, and Stu and O.T., are like they're the cool like chick magnet dudes like OT is totally an alpha male you know uh, jock type and Stu is kind of he reminds me of like a poor man's Adrian Zmed he kind of looks like him <laughs> and and has that you know kind of uh, you know that that cool factor that Adrian Zmed had so uh, there are so many plots running through this film there there's uh, there's probably like three or four major ones, but I didn't even care about that part. Like, okay, there's a bunch of plots happening. There's a lots of storylines being interwoven in this movie. But the thing that I like to focus on is here's the important stuff that happens. Uh, Cause it is Fort Lauderdale in the eighties at the height of like, this was a place where, you know, teenagers and and college students went to spend their spring break back in the day and they pretty much cover every friggin thing that could possibly happen when you're on spring break so they've got binge drinking you know drugs foxy boxing uh wet t-shirt contests the erotic banana eating contest which was weird um a belly flop contest and then there's this all-girl band called Hot Date, and then there's just lots and lots of sex. Like, plenty of sex happening in this movie. Well, gulp to uh, that uh, <laughs> banana eating contest. I just have to say gulp. Wow. You know. <laughs> Jeez. I, I don't know <laughs> if that was a thing that was real or a thing that they invented for this movie, but it's 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 just one of those memorable things that happens in this film. And you're just like, what the heck is going on? Okay. I guess that's a thing. You know, um, all these bars, these beach bars would make up all this crazy shit back in the day, just insane contests to try and one up the other bar. Uh, we used to have in Chicago even, you know, no, not the wet t-shirt contest, the wet panties contest. And then the cops would break that up. <laughs> You know, no, no, no. We can't have the wet panties contest. Uh, that that breaks some laws. So, uh, yeah, Florida, you know, was gentle wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you know. And you know, I know there's young people out there right now, very 
politically correct people. You know, we have the Me Too movement, but, you know, this was back when stuff was laid back and chill and relaxed. And, you know, I'm not going to make a statement and say it was better or worse, but I mean, you and I survived it and uh, we're upstanding citizens and we have good jobs and, uh, you know, we're not racists and we're not sexists and, you know, I'm not, you know, there's, we're not chauvinist or, you know, sexist. And I think we turned out fine. So I actually yeah. miss this genre and I miss movies like Spring Rick because it was escapism. It was somewhere to go to live vicariously through other people. Uh, whereas you were sure as hell didn't do this stuff in your own life, but you could watch other people doing it and live live through them and so that way your brain was doing it and you weren't doing it <laughs> so yeah, it and some safe. of the time i mean it it would be stuff that even back then you knew was like whoa that's over the top like no uh people don't do stuff like that or they shouldn't do stuff like that but it, it was still interesting to see and you didn't see people like going and emulating like Hey, that guy's a douchebag in this movie. I'm gonna go and be like that dude. Like you, you didn't see that. You know, it, it mm-hmm. just wasn't happening. Uh, so it, it was a a more fun, more relaxed time because people were, you know, they were making these movies so people would go and enjoy them, and they weren't so much thinking about. Uh, you know, the social repercussions that may happen, although that could have been a little bit of a part of it. But for the most part, they're just like, yeah, this is teenagers or young adults just going out and having a good time. They're partying and this is what happens. And you just go and you sit in the theater and you enjoy it for an hour and a half or whatever. And then you, you know, get back to your reality. What I always loved about these movies and I related to them a lot was uh i read mad magazine growing up a lot my father turned me on to it and there was always that spread in the middle which was like a big party going on or you know a big or a big festival and it was all these it was like a where's waldo but there were all these jokes going on and uh sergio argonis would do a few of them and i forget the main artist that that would do them but anytime I watched these movies, I felt the same vibe, like you were a fly on the wall looking at this big scene, like it was just chaos, complete chaos. And like I said at the beginning, you know, the producers would just throw a party, and film it, and then do some pickups of, oh, we need some plot in this, you know. <laughs> One of the, as you said, four subplots in here. Some of these movies have like six, eight ridiculous subplots that make no sense. Some of them start, some of them never end. Doesn't matter. But I mean, <laughs> that's the spirit. That was the 80s spirit at the time. You know, you were just thrown into this chaos and what happens happens. And at the end, some things resolve themselves and some things don't just like in life. Boy, it's deep. Ooh, yeah, it's a little true. bit too deep for uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too deep. Ooh, I well, got a headache um, thinking that hard. A, Ooh. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the cast, because I feel like Spring Break 
Uh, I don't know how well this movie performed in the theaters. I know it was on cable a lot. Um, it eventually made its way to like on the weekends. You could catch it on you know TV, regular TV. Um, and I I I looked at it as a cast of a bunch of people that you probably don't know who their what their names are, but you would recognize their faces from other movies. But I did have a couple of people that I wanted to point out, um, and I think. Uh, the Hot Girl Award goes to uh, Corinne Alphen. She was Joan in this movie. Uh, she was actually the 1982 uh, Penthouse Pet of the Year. And uh, she's the lead singer of the band, of the girl band called Hot Date in this film. And, I mean, she just looks amazing. Uh, her acting is, is not so great, but <laughs> she looks awesome. And even when she's performing as a, you know, front for this band, she wears these ridiculous 80s outfits, but it works. You know, it works for her. Um, yeah, speaking of ridiculous outfits. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Um, oh, go the ahead. Budget on, the budget on this film was $4.5 and it made $24 million. So, yeah, it did pretty well wow. for one of these. Yeah, it, it, did, it, did, oh. it didn't do pork. Didn't do Porky's numbers, but it did. Uh, it did well for the genre. So you were mentioning uh, David Nell. Oh no, I, I was actually going to talk about uh, Richard B. Scholl because ah. uh, he's the older guy that's like trying to take over the hotel where the, the guys are staying, um, and he was in some of my favorite cult uh, classics like uh, The Pack, which is one of my favorite. Animals Gone Crazy movies, and he's yep. also in uh, Cockfighter. Yes, of course, wow. yes. Oh. And, and um, there's also Perry Lang, who, like, he started out as an actor. Uh, he was in 1941. He was in The Hearse. Uh, one of the things that I really remember him being in is Alligator, because that's another one of my <laughs> – because, you know, I yep. love those Animals Gone Wild movies. He's in that. Mm -hmm. And then he became a director and worked on a bunch of, like, hit TV shows that uh, I can't name off the top of my head. But I remember I was just kind of diving into his career, and I was surprised to see, like, how many TV shows he's directed. It's kind of off the charts. I mean, the 80s was a great time. You, all the, a lot of these actors, I mean, they were hoping to get big roles, but they were journeymen. And, you know, what? Spring break? Yeah, I'll do it. You know, they'd show up for an audition. <laughs> they'd play, you know, older guy number one or goofy guy number two. Yeah, we need a goofy guy. Okay, you know. In all these movies, you know, there was like the straight guy, the goofy guy, the fat guy, the rich guy. And then, like, you know, some oddball, you know, and, you know, that's how it worked. Just like there were the girls. It's As you said, it, it was funny. There was, like, the hot girl, which I always called, I'm going to get killed for this. I don't care. It's my show. The boner of the movie, you know. The, <laughs> it's, it, you looked at her and you got a boner. That was it. Back when you were, you know, yeah. 13 and 14, when you weren't supposed to be watching these and, you know, there was her, and then there was usually the much more fun, hotter friend, but she was like a little, you know, crazy, like nuts, 
But that's why you wanted her because she was crazy and nuts. So you know she'd be a lot more fun to party with. Whereas the main girl usually was pretty stuck up and had the little nose and seemed like a handful. And uh, then there you was, had to work you know, to get into her pants. Exactly. You had you had to woo her, whereas the other girl was like, come on, let's go. And then there was always the psycho, like the crazy ass, you know, girl that was just like wired to party and like men were scared, you know, not scared, scared, you know, like, Jesus, please go away. No, come on, baby, let's go. You know, so. You know, the for all of you out there, I, I, I watched uh, Girls Girls Trip this weekend. The Tiffany Haddish of the movie, we'll mm-hmm. say. Uh, <laughs> the wild card. The <laughs> beyond wild card. The, you know. <laughs> um, and then I, the one last thing as far as the cast is concerned that I wanted to hit on, because I feel like you have to if you're going to talk about this movie, but everybody knows that poster uh, for for this film, or maybe not. But it's a girl in, in a bikini, and she's kind of like a mountain that these people are – these guys are climbing, and they're, like, conquering her. They're, like, planting a spring break flag, I believe. Yes, but, on her hip. Girl, yeah, on the hip. Yeah, on, her on the hip body. of her bikini uh, uh, body, yes. Yeah. So that chick – who um, was the model for the movie poster. Uh, She was actually in the movie. She's one of the boxy boxing participants, and I think she's the one that wins. She's really cute blonde, and her name is Tammy Lynn Leppert. And the weird thing about her is that after she finished shooting this movie, um, it was – like the same year, uh, like shortly after she finished it, she disappeared. She's never been seen again. Like she literally, um, she was with somebody, uh, a friend of hers. They got into an argument, and he said he left her, you know, at a a parking in a parking lot somewhere. And she made a couple of phone calls to people and disappeared. That they've never found her body. She's never been heard from. And I thought that was really weird and something to just mention, you know, that is different <laughs> about this movie is running into something like that. I, I had no idea. That's some unsolved mystery shit. You should talk to the guys over there, you know, the Stranger Things producers that brought that back on Netflix. That would be a great unsolved uh, mystery. Where is the bikini girl? from uh spring break what, what, what the fuck happened guys come on yeah yeah where is she it's so weird um final the, the last thing uh about this movie is you got to talk like with all of these movies i'm sure this is going to be another running theme which i guess we can say is kind of a part of the 80s you know sex comedy genre is they usually have really good soundtracks. And this oh, movie yeah. is no different. Um, Cheap Trick does the title song. And then um, you get, uh, I think there's one 38 special song in there. And Jared, Gerard McMahon, who is one of my favorite uh, soundtrack artists, he's the one that brought us, you know, Cry Little Sister uh, from the Lost Boys and did all the songs in the movie Defiance. 
that is my, kind of my favorite action film from the 70s. Uh, he's got some songs in this movie, too. Oh, oh yeah. All these always have amazing soundtracks uh, at just from beginning to end. I mean, the biggest one was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That was just like the gold standard double album for crying out loud. I mean, you had, that's because you had Cam and Crow directing the damn movie. But uh, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. He wrote the movie. He did not direct the movie. My bad on that. But just yeah, wall-to-wall music and all of these. And there's always a chick band. Usually. There's usually <laughs> a band. But I noticed in most of our picks, there were chick bands. And we're going to have a few more chick bands coming up. Um, it was really weird that they had those. So many of them. But in real life, you had the Bangles. You had like Vixen. You had the Go-Go's. Mm. And then tell me who else. I mean, you know, the Runaways. And then who else? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, in real in life. The, in uh, the 80s? Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's a big, it's a big That's... drop after that. Yeah. So uh, it kind of sucks that in the movies, there were these girl bands that were really awesome and fun and usually had some pretty damn good songs. They were catchy. You'd be, you know, after you watched the movie and, you know, did whatever you had to do afterwards as a guy, you know, the, the song was stuck in your head, you know, as you were go- drifting off to sleep at 3 a.m. after watching all these movies, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, uh, Hot Date, there are two songs that I clearly got stuck in my brain were uh, one, and they weren't subtle either. Uh, one was uh, Let's Have Some Fun Tonight, I think was one of them. And then the other one is like, I want to do it to you. Like <laughs> those, <laughs> those are the hot date songs. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, it just all so perfectly fits in well together. Yeah. I mean, these movies were perfect storms of just awesomeness and 80s fun. Just great. Uh, Let's play the trailer for this uh, fine, fine film. Nelson, wherever you look, skin, skin, skin. A spring break in Fort Lauderdale. 250,000 kids here for the sole purpose of partying. <laughs> Nelson Dalby and Adam Stern are about to get the break of their lives. Spring break. For some, it's the start of a whole new education. For others, it's a more advanced course. You can learn a foreign language. Or expand your present one. You can learn martial arts. Home economics. For your protection. Culinary arts. And all sorts of sports. There's something for those into the performing arts. And something for those into nature. 
Nelson. Columbia Pictures presents Spring Break. It's the reason kids go to college in the first place. I still don't know where my underpants are. Why, what happened to them? I think they ate them. I don't, I don't, still don't know where my underpants are either this morning. Where are they? I don't know. Jeez. Spring I love break. it. It's the reason kids go to college. That's right. It's the reason. It's the only reason. Oh, I love it. All right. Let's move on to your second movie, which is a whole other wonderful genre known as the uh, road. It's a, it's a, it's a hybrid, but there was two subgenres. Uh, one of them was the road trip movie where everybody piles into a car and goes, let's fucking go. You know, we just got to get away for the weekend. But this was the subgenre of that subgenre, which was the Tijuana movie, which that it, it, the going south of the border in more ways than one, let's just say. And uh, yeah, let's hit your movie of that genre. All right, so I'm connecting uh, this movie to Spring Break through actor uh, Daniel Feraldo, and we're going to talk about Losing It, which is uh, from 1983, and the director is Curtis Hansen. It stars uh, Tom Cruise, Shelley Long, Jackie Earl Haley, and John Stockwell. Uh, also, uh, Rick Rosovich is in this movie, so that means we have a Top Gun trifecta in this film, yes. and yes. maybe one day I will actually watch Top Gun. <laughs> what? I still haven't watched it. I've never seen you, that movie. I think I've watched, I think I broke like the 200 mark and I'm watching Top Gun. Jeez, you need to watch that, girl. Come on. I know. I think I've mentioned it probably once an episode because somehow Top Gun is related to everything. And yes. uh, I, I've never seen it. So I, I have to see it. Oh, God. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, you you got to lo- lose your Top Gun virginity like soon. <laughs> you need to pop your Top Gun cherry. All right. I I think it's now on Amazon Prime. Like, I can watch it for free. So I it's on Netflix. Like the last it's on Netflix. Oh, is it? Yeah. The yeah. last barrier has been removed. Like, okay, I can't even say, well, I want to pay to watch it. No, I just have to make the effort to watch it. There's no reason it, it, for me not to watch it. It's a Tony Scott. Uh, it's a Tony Scott masterpiece. You got to watch it. My lord. Okay. All right. Yeah. Isn't it? Let's go. <laughs> All right. So the plot. Um, it's. I think it's 1965. Um, and these four teenage boys, they go to Tijuana. Uh, three of them want to go just to, you know, go and have sex and lose their virginity. Um, one of them is the younger brother of one of the guys, and he just wants to go to buy illegal fireworks. Uh, and also, he had a he had enough money to allow them to go on this trip. They let him tag along, uh, and on their way, they meet this older woman named Kathy, uh, and she ends up just hopping in the car with them after she has an argument with her husband. And she's like, "I'm going to Mexico with you because uh, I'm going to get a divorce from my husband while while we're there." So 
yeah, okay, they just pick up this strange lady, and she goes with them, and that's the beginning of their uh, Mexican adventures. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, who plays the guy that just wants to get the fireworks? Um, What is that kid's name? I, off the top of my head, I'm not remember remembering him. I know that his name in the movie was Wendell, but they called yeah. him the Wimp instead. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, John anyway. Nathan. Yeah, there That's you go. The there you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This so, is uh. I mean, this is this is known as uh. You know, the rite of passage Tom Cruise movie. Right now, uh, I was gonna go try and uh. My uh, lady, and then of course, never saw this movie because she uh, was too busy, you know, doing smart things instead of sitting up watching comedies. But I was trying to show her losing it. It's not anywhere streaming right now, unfortunately. So, uh, you have VHS of this, or uh, how did you get to watch it? So, I also discovered I could not find it anywhere. Um, I had to go from, uh, well, actually, I do have this on DVD. I would just have to find where it is. And uh, if your collection is like my collection, uh, I didn't even want to bother taking all the time to sift through all the DVDs to find it. It's not, it's like I have this collection. I think it's all it's like the high school reunion or something like that. It's called, and it's a collection of like between four and six teen comedies from the '80s, and it's one of the ones that's included in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I didn't even bother looking for it. I tried to find where I could stream it, and I ended up just watching a bunch of clips and uh, other reviews that actually do watch alongs. So that I could see <laughs> the whole movie. Uh, it's okay. Probably... See, I didn't need to really watch it over again because I, God, I saw this thing at least ten times back in the day, at least. I mean, it was it was funny and it was real. You know, once again, you have this uh, heart to it, unexpected heart to it with Shelley Long in there, who's good in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, for you know, the character she's supposed to be playing, you know, not only do the boys want to get away, she needs to get away. And they're all, you know, just on this journey, each of them to do whatever they want to do. But, uh, you know, there's a heart to the story with her in this. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, it has a, a soft side to it, which, uh, but not, it's not like a maudlin, like it's not way too soft, but it, it's just right. Actually, it has a really good tone. Uh, mm. So you, you're still having fun. It doesn't take away from like, hey, we're having fun here. Why are we getting serious? It, it doesn't do that, which is great. Yeah. I mean, Jackie uh, Earl Haley is as uh, great as he always is being the, you know, he's got that distinct face and he's got that scowl to him. And he has the attitude in this movie, so you get that going for you. Um, this movie he was hilarious. Yeah, he's, yeah, the, he's good. He, he he's the best thing in this movie. Uh, I love that he was like 
just this totally sex crazed dude, but he's like dressed like Bean Crosby. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, but you're Frank right. Sinatra is supposed to be his idol. Like that's who he keeps talking about as Frank Sinatra. I'm like, why are you dressed like Bean Crosby if Frank Sinatra is your idol? But who cares? It's like he's just so funny, and his like pursuit of like Spanish fly is one of the major plot points. Uh, it's hysterical. Uh, yeah, I, out of all the like the friends that go on this trip, uh, I, I've just never been a huge Tom Cruise fan, so I didn't really care about him. But uh, Jackie Earl uh, Haley is definitely to me the star of this movie now to really analyze this movie curtis hansen is the director what's really cool we mentioned you know sean cunningham directed spring break you have curtis hansen here with probably is one of his first films you can see in both these films, the early style of these directors, you can really see them, you know, starting to cut their teeth. It's like watching, um, you know, James Cameron and Piranha 2. You know, you see these early, you know, bits that carry through all their movies. And um, I just remember it had stuff like, you know, he's dressed like Bing Crosby and just, you know, it takes place during this time you know, everybody uh, losing their innocence. And, you know, Curtis Hansen kind of has that as a theme through his movies, uh, especially mm-hmm. in L.A. Confidential. You know, the these tough guys, but they got the soft side to them, too. Uh, you know, 8 Mile, same thing, you know. You know, mm-hmm. tough rapper, you know, soft side. And, uh, and you know, you have the Shelley Long character coming along, kind of the damsel in distress. Uh, and you have that carrying through all of Curtis Hansen's movies, you know, leading up even to, uh, God, I can't believe I'm overanalyzing the hell out of this. But, yes, it's losing <laughs> it, everybody. <laughs> but it is Curtis Hansen. I mean, God, God, God you know, bless him. Uh, he put together a half a movie here. Unfortunately, this one didn't do well uh, box office wise. And we usually don't talk about this, but it is fun talking about it with these sex comedies. Uh, $7 million budget, and it had a lackluster $1.2 million opening uh, for the entire run. The first weekend, it didn't even break a half a million. Wow. I, I this would not say over a lot of the movies that we're talking about today, this one's probably just the weakest out of yes. all of them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can see how it could have, you know, underperformed. Yeah. And as I was saying, this was uh, the Tijuana subgenre. There were a lot of really horrible, as if, you know, you can get worse than losing it. I mean, this actually was watchable. There were some of them that were just horrendous. I remember, you know, that would show up late at night on Skinamax or on my one pay cable channel uh, spectrum. And you were just like, wow, you know, I'm actually sitting through this. Oh my God, please kill me. Are there going to be any boobs? 
Any any nudity? No. <laughs> Shit. Through an hour and a half of my life, this sucks. You know. I am fortunately, I have not really dived into the you know Tijuana exploitation market that that much, <laughs> and maybe this is the one that like warned me off of it. But you totally get you know those stereotypical things that you hear even when you're talking about like real life experiences like going to Tijuana. I don't know if it's like that now, but like back in the day where, you know, there's the dodgy police and somebody goes to jail and it's awful. Um, you know, you got these rowdy Marines that, you know, invade on a regular basis to just go and like spend all their cash and, you know, take advantage of all the women. Um the bait and switch prostitutes, which yeah. is really interesting. <laughs> and then, I mean, you've got everything you'd expect from, uh, uh, you know, teenage guys going to Tijuana. The only thing they don't show in this movie is a donkey show. That's the one, you know, kind of stereotypical thing that you hear about, like when kids run off to Mexico that they say they've seen. That is not in here, thankfully. I don't think I don't think kids <laughs> run away to Tijuana anymore. I think they're too put wimpy. I think they like playing video games too much. You don't really hear about it anymore. And in their defense, it's not really safe to go anymore. Uh, <laughs> you go down there now. If you if you I'm putting this out there. This is my pitch. You can steal it. Anybody listening to the show, uh, losing it. Twenty twenty. You go down there, you hang out on Revolution Avenue, the cartels, nice cartel, you know, battle breaks out, and then uh, you get kidnapped, and uh, that's it, you know? It's it's like uh, <laughs> C- Cesar- Cesario movies, you know, it's like Cesario 2, you just, you're fucked, you're kidnapped. It sounds and, like uh, a video game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not fun, like, losing it. You're losing a lot of other things, like, possibly your life. Uh, that's losing yeah. it. 2020. Go ahead. Uh, that's a free one. Uh, let's play the uh, trailer for losing it. Dave's been itching for it. Woody can't stand it. If I can wait, why can't you wait? And Spider will do anything for it. Spider! Stop him! There comes a time when nothing seems more important than losing it. We want as silky as we want and as gross as we want. You think I love you? Come on up. You don't go with the first one you see. You wait. I'm not like ordinary guys. I got more of them hormones or something. Hello. How was I supposed to know that you was your sister? Hey, will you settle down? I'll be right back.
God, those nice. announcers sound sleazier and sleazier. It's like they're carnival barkers. <laughs> I love it. Get in here. There's going to be some pussy in here. Get in there. Yeah. Come on. It's so good. <laughs> uh, and just from hearing that, um, that trailer, uh, we got to get back to uh, just a mention of the music in this movie. It's all like, a-listers like uh, Richie Valens, Curtis Mayfield, um, Smokey Robinson. Like, even if the movie isn't that great, I wonder if the soundtrack is available because that would be awesome to have. I remember this one being really uh, chock full of that um, just really good library, you know, great uh, 50s music. It was 50s, right? Yeah. Just... Oh, man. Yeah, it's like a mix of, well, yeah, cause I feel like maybe the Curtis Mayfield stuff might have been, like, more towards the 60s, but 60s, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but there again, there's your uh, Curtis Hansen, you know, loving that era, uh, hitting home, losing it, everybody, if uh, sure, you know, we're just old, can't find the bit to rip this off of so all you uh, hackers out there this off the torrent and uh, enjoy Tom Cruise before he uh, had a much much finer uh, uh, serious X film with uh, Mr. Buchanan uh, Risky Business this was this was in between Taps and uh, Risky Business this was sandwiched in there but I think he filmed this before he did taps, strangely enough. So oh, I weird. think this one was pushed back. Back then, you know, you'd when you were a young new actor, you just they you'd film, and they still do it now. You know, they have uh, they'll film the shit out of a lot of movies in the beginning of their career, and then some of them will never see the light of day. And then when the actor gets big, you know, then it's like their uh, movie they did for the Weinstein's that never got shown, <laughs> you know, the mind scenes buried your movie and all of a sudden it shoots out, you know, six years later, whoop, you know, a tax shelter movie. That's always good. Let's move on to the next movie, which is basically the gold standard classic of 80s sex comedies and made a boatload of cash for 20th century Fox. And, uh, Take us there, Video Vixen. All right. So I'm connecting to this movie through uh, casting director uh, Jane Feinberg. And that is to 1981's super mega hit (laughs) uh, directed by Bob Clark, Porky's, uh, the king daddy of 80s teen sex comedies. Uh, I read that this was the fifth highest grossing film of 1982, even though Siskel and Ebert called it the worst film of the year. <laughs> this movie only cost like $5 million to make and ended up making $136 million, which is blockbuster status at the time. I remember this movie comes out and uh, my mother didn't want me to see it, but I was already sneaking out to go see all kinds of weird exploitation movies, but I was on this weird kick with my family going to see, you know, movies as a family. And 
Mm-hmm. I remember I well, it wasn't horrible. It was hilarious actually. At this General Cinemas, the North Riverside Cinemas in suburban Chicago, there was Sword and the Sorcerer playing right next to Porky's. And Oh my god. I ended up, yes. and we went and saw Our Sword and the Sorcerer. Too. Which we saw Sword and the Sorcerer, which of course had a fuckload of nudity and tons of crazy shit going on. And I remember my mother walking out of it going, Oh my God. And um oh, all I remember wow. you had the same experience I did. We we walk out of the theater and the people are coming out of the pokies and they're losing their fucking minds. Like, oh my god, that was hilarious. God, that was so good. Jesus Christ. And finally, after two weeks, my dad takes me aside and he goes, we're going to go see Porky's. We're having a father-son <laughs> weekend. We're, t- we're not telling your mom we're going to see Porky's. We're going to go see some other. Well, we, I, I take the son out. We gotta, we're going to go bond. And went straight to that theater, saw Porky's. And it was great. <laughs> wow. That is so crazy because I definitely wanted to see it when it came out. I, I didn't see Porky's until, like, years after it actually came out. Um, I had the same thing happen to me. My mother was like, nope, I'm not going to see that. But she took me to see The Sword and the Sorcerer, which was playing yes. next year. <laughs> yeah. And we go to see that, and I remember I just was sitting there laughing because of all the nudity in it. I knew oh, she was going to – God. She was losing her shit, but she refused yeah. to leave. <laughs> Because, you know, once she committed to something, God be damned, like, she wasn't going to back out. And we sat there and watched that movie, and I was just gloating the whole time. Also, I I liked the movie, but still I knew that Porky's was the one that I really wanted to see. And it it was kind of maddening to watch people coming out all happy and shit because they'd seen Porky's. I knew I was missing something amazing. Yeah, Sword and the Sorcerer, just as this. Our parents thought it was going to be like, you know, Excalibur or Lady Hawk. Nope. Guess what? (laughs) (laughs) If none of you youngins out there saw Sword and the Sorcerer, go find that shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) We'll talk about that when we get to uh, Sword and Sorcery movies. That one's way... That one, it was was like... It was like a fever dream of Sword and Sorcery movies. It was so great. (laughs) It was just so amazingly fucked up. But let's get back to Porky's and tell us this this Bob Clark plot that's really fun. Bob Clark, of course, uh, gave us other great films, the biggest one being Christmas Story, which yep. is like the polar opposite of this movie, but not really if you think about how subversive it is. Um, so... That's my two cents going in. Sorry to steal your thunder there, but uh, no, take us into Porky's. Like, you're saying everything that uh, I believe. Like, I think the reason why Porky's is the best of all of these movies is that Bob Clark really has this way of uh, there's an underlying like there's there's a lot of heart in this movie that's on par with what you see in a Christmas story that there is like this real kind of friendship between all these characters. Uh, and even the characters that, you know, 
uh, are the antagonists per se, like they still are fully fleshed out. So it, it feels like it has a, a little bit of realness to it. Um, just to go into the story, I I really didn't want to like give a lot of details because this movie has to be seen. But uh, just a little overview, it, it takes place in Florida in the 1950s, and it revolves around this guy named Pee Wee and his group of buddies, and they all go to Angel Beach High School. And the movie scene starts with him measuring his penis, which yes. he does like every single day. And he, he, you can see his chart where he's like recording his shortcomings. You know, like every single day. And that sets the tone for the, the rest of the movie. And uh, as I like to say, Trista. there's nowhere to go up. But Trista, it's getting shorter. It's, God damn it, it's getting shorter. <laughs> I, remember, I remember distinctly being with my dad in this movie. And by the way, my dad basically is uh, the gym teacher that keeps trying to send the younger gym guy upstairs with Lassie. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> the guy in that laugh, that's my dad. I was watching this last night, introducing my girl to this movie, and she, she kind of wasn't having it. Rather, she didn't hate it, but she was like, this is pretty serious. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> She was expecting, she watched Hard Bodies with me and was like, this is fun. And then she's like, this Porky's movie's deep. What the hell? I'm like, yeah, this is pretty hardcore. Um, but my dad saw that opening scene with Pee Wee and is just losing it, like going crazy. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is pretty good. Because my dad had a really sick sense of humor. So he was getting amused by watching a guy measure his in the beginning of the movie. It was pretty good. It literally, like, it, the laughs just keep coming. Uh, yes. it, it's just one thing after another after another, and it's very smartly written. I mean, okay, these guys definitely don't look like teenagers. They don't even look like college students. They, they, are, they are pretty old, but uh, that's okay. I'm buying it because of the spirit of the movie and the way that they're performing. They, they seem like teenagers even though they're clearly yeah. not. I mean, Pee Wee, the main character, is played by Dan Monahan, and, and he looks to be in his 30s at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't know how old he was, but he, he didn't look, you know, like an 18-year-old boy, like by any stretch of the imagination. But you forgive it because the movie is that good. Yeah, just to give a little bit more of the plot – the name Porky's comes from the fact that there's this sex club it takes place down in Florida in the Everglades. And there's one of these roadhouse sex clubs uh, out there. And uh, they all want to go out there to try and uh, get laid and get peewee laid and all of them get fucked. And they get screwed over by Porky um in one scene they're supposed to go into a back room and get laid and instead he pulls a puts them in a dark room pulls a platform underneath them and they end up going into the uh into the swamp so the whole 
all this other hijinks happens, but it wraps up with them trying to get back at Porky, which is the classic underdog story. This one's different from the other ones, whereas we were talking about anti-establishment. This one more is just like, you know, this guy is this rich redneck who has all this property and thinks he's the shit. Um, all you guys out there that are new to Porky's think the movie Ozark, and rather the, the show Ozark on, uh, on uh, Netflix, this movie is very similar in tone, where it's just like redneck city, just craziness. And um, I mean, this one gets into a lot of social commentary. It takes on racism. You know, it takes on a lot of, you know, deep subjects in this movie. And actually, it was funny that it was getting so bogged down. Like I said, my girlfriend, she goes, when's it going to get back to the fun? <laughs> when did we get to laugh again? And then I said, just, just, just wait. Just wait. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. It's only, it's only peppered with these social issues and you get just enough to know where people stand. It doesn't have like this, you know, strong current that runs throughout the thing. It kind of like, it gets picked up and then dropped, picked up and dropped, picked up. And, yep. you know, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just this roller coaster of now we're being all, you know, horny teenagers. Oh, now we have a social issue. Ooh, but now we're being, you know, horny teenagers again. And it, it, actually works because it's not it's it's not too far one way and it's not too far the other way it it just is a a perfect balance Mm -hmm. uh genuinely funny there's so many like just iconic moments throughout the entire film i mean you know in today's age i guess you'd make a million memes off of this one one movie Oh, yeah. uh, it, it's it's really good when we're watching it like i said she said when's the fun coming back i said now i paused <laughs> it and she hates this i'll pause the movie i go i said you're about to watch because i broke this down for an ex of mine that i took to tarantino's theater i got to see this on film at tarantino's new beverly cinema and to watch the audience in there, and they are mostly young kids that hadn't seen this movie. And I wanted to see if this movie built the same way as it did when I was a kid or when we watched mm-hmm. it on VHS with our friends. After all the deep stuff at about the halfway mark, there is a succession of five scenes that build and build. It starts with the Lassie scene and then you got the principal's office scene and then what whether the shower scene then the principal and, and there's five scenes and it's a succession and it builds so hard that by the end of that last scene you're like crying laughing because as you said it doesn't let you up for air it gets to the end of the one scene and then goes nope we're gonna give you one more <laughs> we're going to hold you down more and make you laugh more. And by the end of it, you're just exhausted. You're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just laughed so hard for so long for like a solid 20 minutes. And it's, it's incredible. Anybody that's never seen this, you just need to even, even thank goodness. She even laughed at that. Like 
in succession. She's like, okay, okay. That was good. That was good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think uh, the reason why this movie was so huge is because, okay, this, the sex comedies from the 70s, like those teen sex comedies, were all becoming kind of interchangeable and kind of a blur. Uh, yes. And this just, it's a hard line in the sand. It's like, yeah, they were doing that, but I'm doing this. Uh, you care about every single character in this film. Uh, you, and it's a huge cast. There's a yeah. shit ton of people in this movie, but you mm-hmm. know them all, and it's really easy to know them all. Um, everybody just kind of saw this movie come out, and they're like, fuck, we got to do that. Uh, some people kind of nailed it. Yes, well, you can't kind of nail. They came close. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think it was until John Hughes came along in like 84 with 16 candles. I think that's when he was like, all right, he, you know, Bob Clark drew that line, but now I'm drawing this line. And then that became the new wave of like what teen sex comedies were, where it wasn't so much, uh, heavy on the sex part is more on the relationships part, but still mm-hmm. on that same level of you know fun and you know there's also serious bits but that same balance that you find in this movie that's a good uh i've never really put that together but that's really you're right that kind of was the next director that really did that and especially the party scene in 16 candles just this whole um god great now you're going to have me have to write like a paper, like I'm back in school. Um, uh, Pee Wee versus uh, Molly Ringwald's character in 16 Candles. Uh, go, you know, coming of age. Here we go. Great. Now I'm going to I'm going to overanalyze the hell out of this for the next 24 hours. Thanks a lot. That's going to be great. Anyway. All right. Well, let's play the trailer. This wonderful, wonderful Porky's trailer. 20th Century Fox would like to introduce you to Pee Wee and his pals. Big and hearty mother. Tommy, Mickey, Tim. What's going tonight, right? I don't know. And the biggest man on campus. Why do they call you me? Because it's so big? But what they'd like to get into most is a place called Porky's. I left my idea. Here, you just... That's my Bible school card. Unfortunately, we can only show you the outside of Porky's. Because what goes on inside is not to be believed. We can't show you more of the shower scene. Because what they're looking at isn't watered down. They want us to look. They want us to look. Porky. You too will be back for a second look. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, you got to love that Porky's trailer, huh? Huh? <laughs> We can't show you what's in Porky's. We can't show you what's in the locker room. That's one thing that these movies, and we didn't touch on them in the beginning. You did a little bit. And it's the fact that you'd sneak to stay up and watch these movies. This stuff was about being in forbidden territory, going to Tijuana, doing things you weren't supposed to be doing. 
staying up late and watching these movies, going to see Porky's with your friends and sneaking in and you're not supposed to be there. I mean, that was the thrill back then that nobody gets to really live now that stays indoors and plays video games and, you know, traps themselves. We would have adventures, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Porky's is just like the gold standard. Just uh, the weird thing about Bob Clark, it's, it's terrible the way he uh, died. He, uh, kind of had a Sam Kinison thing happen to him where him and uh, he, he died in a head-on crash with a drunk driver in the Pacific Palisades and it was horrible oh. and yeah it was, it was really tragic I remember when it happened and I was like god damn it are you kidding me the man that brought us uh, Porky's and uh, Christmas Story no longer here um, and just a tip to everybody out there my father's favorite movie of his, he liked both of these, but there was an actual sequel that came out to Christmas Story called A Summer Story, where Charles Grodin played the father instead of Derek, Darren McEvan played the father in Christmas Story. And it took place during the summer of the same you know, era, and it's just a continuation in a different season. It's actually really goddamn funny. I have to, um, VHS there. I have my old dad's old VHS of it, and I don't have a VHS player to play it on video Vixen. Can you believe that? I'm, I'm, I'm That's a sinner. A crime. Right, it is a crime. <laughs> you haven't seen Top Gun. I don't own a VHS player right now. These things happen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's equal. <laughs> I guess. So do you have any more words about uh, Porky's? Um, I think we went over most of it, except uh, I have to get that soundtrack mentioned in here because it is also really good. Um, There's a bunch of Hank Williams songs on there, uh, The Platters, Eddie Fisher, and who I really think is appropriate, uh, Chuck Berry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If you know all the kind of sexual hijinks he got into, uh, then you'll know how that fits in with this film. Little did they know when they were making this mm -hmm. movie. I was a regular Dr. Demento listener, as I've said already, so I'm well aware of my ding-a-ling. Yes. (laughs) (sighs) One of his great. Yes. God. Oh, new kid, gener- new new generation of uh, politically correct kids. Jesus, just go back and listen to Chuck Berry's "My Ding Ding" and you know, eat an apple and relax. Okay, that's all I have to say. <laughs> fucking all right. So um, we are going to link um, the great Dan Monahan, who is a very huge integral part of Porky's as Pee-wee. And then I'm going to link him to speaking of phenomenal soundtracks up the Creek. Uh, this great film, amazing, uh, whitewater rafting film. Everybody knows the movie without a paddle, um, that came out in the 
90s, 2000s, whatever. Um, but that was an insane ripoff of Up the Creek, which was a mega cast of you had Dan Monahan from Porky's, and then you had um, Stephen First from Animal House, and it was this whole mixing of the Animal House cast with the Porky's cast, and it was just huge. There was my my friend Martin and I, there was no way we were not going to go see this movie. And I remember being 13 and going to the Lincoln Village Theater, and he's all worried we're going to get caught. And I'm like, we're just going to walk up and buy a ticket. And I'm like, one for up the street. <laughs> He's like, you two, two, two. I go, oh, sorry, two for up the creek. I go, my uh, older brother is getting me in here. Okay. You know, some poor drunk ticket guy over there. <laughs> they didn't care back then. <laughs> but this movie is definitely an anti-establishment film. Uh, it's uh, the uh, directed by Robert Butler. You have... Tim Matheson, who is the other member of the Animal House cast that shows up in here with Stephen First. Um, A trend in these movies also is that they would have these older actors, at least in mine. I found this in all of mine. Trista, they'd have this older actor to kind of lend credence to the movie, which was creepy because it was a sex movie. And we're going to get later on to a few others, but this one had James B. Sicking in it, who was huge yeah. on Street Blues at the time. Comes in as uh, the snooty um, douchebag uh, college dean, and there's the snooty douchebag college that's coming back in this whitewater rafting competition. There's the military school that's in there. You have... Uh, then you have lobotomy you, and uh, they call them uh, lobotomy you as nicknames. And the dean of that school, <laughs> for crying out loud, is Tony Hill, is John Hillerman, who yeah, it's crazy. was on Magnum PI. And you're like, God, they doubled down on the old actors in this one. <laughs> and it's within like the first like 20 minutes, you're like. Jesus, you really wanted to make this a legit movie. Good for you guys. Okay. Because they could put those names above the, you know, all these names above the title on the poster. And uh, this was a fun movie. This is a Samuel Z. Arkoff produced movie. You know, one of the kings of exploitation. And this is the genre that is the competition genre. Midnight Madness is another movie of this genre. There were tons of these where it was, we're having a contest. There's the douchebags. There's the underdogs. There's the girls. There's a girls uh, whitewater rafting team, too, and they're all bonerific. Uh, I'm not going to be politically correct on my show. I'm heterosexual. I'm sorry. Um, And just... It, it's it's one of my favorite movies from back then because I saw it with my friend Martin and it's just funny. It's clever. Stephen First steals the show in this movie. Tim Matheson steals the show. Dan Monahan gets like no lines. Did you notice that in this he, movie, Trista? Like no fucking lines in this movie. 
He says very little, but who needs him to talk when Tim Matheson is being his, like, most charming anti-hero, you know, self? And not only does he have a majority of the lines, but he also kind of half-ass narrates the movie because he, he yes. does all those. And then our, you know, then our fearless hero went and did this. You know, he's always kind of just uh, giving ex- exposition to things that are happening. So that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching this movie again. It's always a crowd pleaser. Um I keep bringing up my lady, but I want to bring it up on this episode because she's four years younger than me. I'm about to turn 50 and she really didn't watch any of these. So I was kind of using her as a measuring stick as to, you know, (laughs) I was curious, you know, what does she think? And this was the crowd pleaser for her. She was like, oh, they're white, white, thing, and she's having fun, and the girls are in there, and they're, you know, she loved the scene, because uh, she, she's a cool girl. She loves the scene that I played in the uh, intro. No, we're a bunch of girls. We're not here for the competition. We're just here to get laid. And, I mean, <laughs> movies, and they, they were always looked at as objectifying, objectifying objectifying women and it's true they did but there was a lot of beefcake in these movies too i know you can attest to that and uh yeah yeah you know speedos board shorts you know i'm in my board shorts right now in tribute to this movie i know you're wearing your bikini in tribute to this movie so you know oh yeah for sure <laughs> but, i mean this i'm just- so glad you picked this movie because I I agree. I think that, like, it's just, it's so much fun. Uh, I actually, my boyfriend watched this one with me, and he brought up something interesting. He, he was like, this is like a Wile E. Coyote movie. And, yes. and it is. It is. It's a live-action cartoon is what it is. And it, like, okay, so not all of the jokes hit you know not all of the slapstick the like physical comedy works but it's like airplane where it just keeps shooting them at you shooting them at you shooting them at you mm-hmm. and you like you laugh at 75 percent of them and and the laughs are big enough that you forgive them for the 25 percent that you didn't laugh at well and what adds to it is the military school trying to blow everything up and the douchebags trying to sabotage the underdogs and the other school with the tools. These like they're given like a remote control plane to dive into one of the uh, uh, river rafts. They're given like with um, rockets. Yeah. Didn't they have a rocket on it? Like death shit. And I'm like, yeah. And your boy, I'm head. I didn't really think of it that way, but when you said it, it's like, yeah, it's like cartoons. All these things were by Acme, pretty much. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they sh- should have come out of a box and said Acme. Yeah, we were calling fine- this, um, yeah. calling this, uh, like, uh, it, it's such a mashup of all these different movies put together. 
So yeah. uh, it's like Otter and Flounder's Excellent Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, is like my Perfect. longhand version of, you know, the Up the Creek title. I can't top that. I can't top that. <laughs> and just to mention before we go into the trailer, the soundtrack is insanely good. And the bonus yeah. is you get this great title song by Cheap Trick, Chicago's very own. Well, actually, Springfield, Illinois' very own, downstate from Illinois, downstate from Chicago in Illinois. But here was my crowning moment, Video Vixen. Two years ago, I go see uh, Cheap Trick open up for Poison down here in L.A. Oh, my gosh. They played Up the Creek live. Get out of here. I lost my mind. <laughs> and Darlene, who was – this is our second date, is wondering why I'm in the aisle, like, practically throwing my beer on the ground, losing my mind, and dancing, like, going <laughs> fucking crazy. And she's like, what, what, what? <laughs> you okay? I'm like, I am actually getting your cheap trick to play up the creek live. Are you kidding me? And it was because they were wow. in LA. They're like, they're like, oh, we can, we can LA vibe and blah, 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 blah. You guys might know this little song we did for a little movie back in the 80s. And I'm like, no, they're not. No, they're not. Yes, <sighs> they are. Holy shit. So that was my one of my bucket list moments that I didn't know was a bucket list moment until it happened. So it was great. That is amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So uh, let's, uh, uh, let's play the Up the Creek trailer. And now for a special treat. <laughs> the Ryan Pictures presents Up the Creek. Ready? This is the story of America's greatest intercollegiate rafting race featuring the nation's top teams. Washington Military Institute, the champions. A commander couldn't ask for better soldiers. The seasoned veterans of Ivy College. You know, so, gentlemen, this is going to be a piece of cake. The heavily favored women's team from Vanity U. His strong hands ran over her hardened nipples. And Lepetamine University challenging for the first time. You have the distinct honor of being the four worst students in the entire country. You are not at the bottom of the list. You are the bottom of the list. With their faithful companion, Chuck the Wonder Dog, Lepetamine competes against all odds. He's trying to tell us something. Give us another clue, quick. Chuck, how many syllables? Regulation handle, stock, and blade with the exception of a little added feature. Uh, give me a hard left. So, are you girls here for the big race tomorrow? No, actually, we're here to get laid. Why don't you slip into something more comfortable? I didn't bring anything more comfortable. Well, how about me? Ooh. After a rigorous training program, the race is on. Before they reach the finish line, they'll be stoned, abandoned ship, bombed, and totally wasted. 
unidentified lying asshole. Your word, easy. Ready with the jet, sir. Now! to get wet up the creek featuring the music of cheap trick the beach boys heart shooting star and more Ugh, whoa, wow that's terrific jesus shooting star i love it <laughs> everybody's on this soundtrack oh yeah i love it's that trailer the only trailer it's like the only one of all of these that actually thought to mention the great music on the soundtrack, which is weird. Yeah. I mean, well, when we were doing horror movies, for some reason, the Italian horror movies, they would put these elaborate soundtracks in and they liked mentioning them on those too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. On most of the sex comedy soundtracks, they... They the trailers they'd put the soundtracks on there, but I guess we can't find the trailers anymore <laughs> of uh, the ones that are put on there. So I'm gonna move on to uh, where I'm gonna link Tom Nolan from Up the Creek, who plays one of the douches, and uh, onto Hard Bodies, which I know no being an avid late night you know, film watcher. Uh, this is a classic. Yet another, you know, above the line classic. Good old hard bodies. Um, just to add a little trivia beforehand, um, I watched the credits of this. Kane Hodder, yet another Friday the 13th mention to go with our Sean Cunningham mention. Kane Hodder yeah. is the stuntman on hard bodies, <laughs> and he plays the older geek in this movie. Can you believe that? That is some crazy yeah. stuff. You saw that in the tra- in the uh, credits too, huh? Well, I saw it like right away. Uh, well, not the first time you see him in the movie. I think it was like the second time they show them show him because we had mm-hmm. just watched uh, Joe Bob's uh, summer sleepover special on Friday night. So when he appeared on the screen right away, we were like, what? What is is he doing in this? (laughs) Good old Kane Hodder, Jason himself. Oh, Lord. I was like, wow, check this out. (laughs) Everybody started somewhere, Video Vixen. They all started somewhere. And what's why I really actually wanted to pick this genre is they either started in horror or they started in sex comedies because those were the two big genres of the eighties that basically producers, unless they really failed, like losing it, 
you'd at least make your money back. You know, mm-hmm. you'd throw it at the drive-ins, you'd put it on cable, you'd put it on VHS, and it was kind of an automatic investment get back. And that's why they would, the producers would go, okay, I have a big mansion, I'm going to throw a party, I'm going to do a sex movie here, and then we're going to rent a limo and run it out on the Sunset Strip and do some wacky montage, and, you know, we got a movie, you know, and go to my beach house and finish it. And that's it. That You had a sex yep. comedy. That was it. Small investment and yes. you get a small investment and you get big <laughs> returns because all yeah. teenagers were going to go yeah. and watch these movies. Yeah. Or catch it on cable, which mm-hmm. they made money off HBO, Cinemax, uh, you know, all the cable outlets. They'd buy it up and show the hell out of it, and everybody get their residuals, and everybody was happy. So, Hard Bodies, 1984, great movie, great title. Uh, of course, uh, standing for the women and their rock hard, you know, ab stomachs on the beaches of uh, L.A. and Malibu, especially. Uh, this film's directed by Mark Griffiths. Uh, you have the, the standout role in this, um, we have Grant Kramer, who plays the lead, and he basically is Scotty. He's a con man. He just got evicted from his apartment. He's got his hot girlfriend. She's totally bonerific. I'm going to use that a lot in this show. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, you can tell she's kind of looking for somebody better, but she loves him. She loves him because he's a scrappy con man. And he has his friend, Rag, who is played by the great, amazingly, incredibly, uh, God, I just, uh, where the hell did his name go? Who played Rag? You know who I'm talking about. Courtney Gaines. Courtney Gaines. Sorry. Mr. Redhead himself. Mr. Firecratch. Malachi. All of a sudden, it disappeared off my thing. Yes, <laughs> Molokai from Children of the Corn. Everybody knows him as Molokai from Children of the Corn. So he goes into this movie, older, checkered cap. Um, I'm wearing a checkered cap right now in solidarity with him. Rag is one of the greatest <laughs> 80s, you know, secondary characters because at the beginning of the movie, all these punks try and take over Scotty and his domain on the beaches of Malibu and uh, come in. They're like, we ain't leaving, blah, 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 blah. And Courtney Gaines's character starts doing all these, you know, flipping them off, doing all these things. And Scotty goes, he just flipped you up and flipped you off in 48 different languages. And it's like the whole <laughs> It's everything when you're watching this when you're 14. It's everything. You're like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I remember showing it to my friends. They're like, that's so rad. That's so great. And so uh, we were hooked on this movie. Scotty uh, takes on these three older men because he gets evicted from his apartment. And, of course, you have the, uh, the douchebag, the older cool guy who's the country and western guy who wants to just go have fun and get a beach house and 
they're older and he's just I just want to go relax and enjoy the beach and then you have the schlub the fatter guy and uh he he hasn't gotten laid in a million years and he's trying to get laid. So they rent this beach house and Scotty happens upon him and sets up this deal that he's going to get paid $600 a month to teach him how to pick up girls. And the montages of this are hilarious for the genre. It's very fun. Uh, you know, your typical uh, mall down at Redondo Beach. It's funny. Growing up in the Midwest, I'd watch these movies. And now that I live out here, when I was watching this two nights ago, I would kept Redondo Beach. Redondo Beach. <laughs> like, that's the mall. That's the mall. He's, he's taking them around the mall at Redondo Beach. And they pick up girls, and they throw a big party. And, of course, there's an all-girl band because the original band cancels to play a bat mitzvah and uh, these girls come in and they have a horrible name. Do you remember the name? Did you watch it recently? Diaper rash. Diaper rash. And the uh, <laughs> guy from the gym goes, horrible name, horrible name. I'll, I'll sign these guys, these, sign these girls and you be their manager, you know, uh, if you change the name. And they, uh, of course, changed the girls' uh, name to Hard Bodies. And they have the Hard Bodies competition with all the bodybuilding chicks and guys on the beach. And there has to be a big party in every one of these movies. And that's the culmination of the film. It's great. It's 88 minutes of fun, laughs, uh, a lot of objectification of women, to be quite honest. But it's in the title. You kind of know it's coming. Uh, the guys get their comeuppance at the end, which is good. The girl, the women, especially get back at the douchebag guy during the party scene at the end, which is nice. They, uh, they uh, feather him, but God, oh, they honey and feather him at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, his <clears throat> move is to spill wine on a woman. And get them to take their clothes. Oh, you got to go soak that. And he's done it to so many women that they get back at him. They throw him in a tub. He thinks it's kinky. They throw a bunch of honey all over him and then they feather him. So uh, you get to see that. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to put the brakes on. Oh, put the brakes no. On this one. Oh, yes. Okay, you know me. I am in no way, shape, or form a prude of any kind. Like, I love these sex comedies. I mean, we started out talking about that. Um, But this one, I think this movie came out when I was, like, 12. And I remember seeing it back then, and I just, like, did not like it. I didn't like it then. And then uh, re-watching it, I totally was like, this is gross. I feel like I just got dipped in doo-doo. Like, it's, to me, <laughs> I, I just found it, like, gross. The, and, but, uh, you know, I, now I know why. I, don't, I couldn't explain, like, I couldn't articulate when I was 12 why I didn't like the movie, but now I can. And the idea of these three old dudes, like, in their 40s, paying some – you know, 
guy who's like this, you know, con artist, like con con man slash pickup artist, paying him to teach them how to talk women into bed. It's gross. Like it's, it is. There's gross. no getting around it. It, it is, is like so gross. And those three guys are. I mean, they try to kind of redeem the cowboy dude and the you know the schlub dude by the end of the movie. Like you know, they're not on board with what their super douchebag friend is doing. But still, at that point, I mean. Schlub dude was like looking under a girl's skirt while she's like dancing and, you know, he's like tricking women into, you know, telling them he's a photographer and they're all, you know, all these girls are like taking off their tops and stuff. I just was like, ew, ew, ew. Uh, there's even a scene in this movie where I just about fell out, but it's those, those guys that drive around in that dirt bag van. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, the guy. Well, those are the guys that get flipped off at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, those guys when they show up in their van and they get out and they have a dog with them. Even the dog, like, just goes up to a girl and like wrestle. She's like wrestling with the dog, and the dog like just takes her bikini top off and runs off with it. I'm like, even the dog is like in on all the grossness that's happening. In this movie, unlike Chuck, Chuck and Up the Creek, that dog was amazing. That dog was awesome. Uh, it's just like such a, a contrast. Um, I, I feel bad, actually, for the people <laughs> that were in this movie. Because I, actually... I like Grant Kramer. Uh-huh. I, I like no, Grant I... Kramer, and I, I like Courtney Gaines, uh, you know, and Kane Hodder, and, and I was Roberta Collins is in this movie. Yes. And it's like, what the fuck, guys? I'm glad you brought this part up because, see, I never related to any of that crap. What I related to, and I wanted to bring this up later so I didn't shoot my wide too early, so to speak, (laughs) in this show, is all of these movies try to have this redeeming facet of romance in the movie, all of them, every single one of them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Scotty, you know, his woman gets taken away by the douchebag guy, but they still really love each other. And you hope, you hope they're going to get together at the end. And to me, all the rest of it was kind of just like static. I'm like, I know I'm not any of these pickup artist assholes. I know I'm not, you know, the douchebag guy. You know, but I'm Scotty. And he even says, he goes, I don't want to take your money. You know, you're making me into a pimp. And they're like, come on, it's money. And he's desperate and he doesn't have an apartment. So he doesn't really have a choice, which doesn't make it right. But this is the 80s and it's a sex comedy. So, you know, I forgave him. I did. Back in the day, I did. But I always related to Scotty and the romance with his woman. And I'm not just saying that. I honestly, back in the day, I was like, okay, all these people are all fuckheads and this is a big dumb party and it's stupid. And, you know, they're all just trying to get laid, but I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping he gets together with her. And now you're right. You know, there is a, lot, a really I, I... seedy element to this movie. I mean, it's called hard bodies. 
it can't really be. If I had you know, liked anybody, if I had liked one single, well, I kind I liked Rag. I liked him. Rag's the but, best. I mean, he was just the, like a Rag and hit like the story with him and um, uh, Scotty's uh, girlfriend's sister. Like yeah. their little romance that her, was yeah. super cute. Yeah, it wasn't there wasn't enough of that because that those two were people I could believe in. I hated everybody else in this film. I didn't think yeah. Scotty like I I think Grant Kramer is super cute. Like I used to watch him on another soap opera when I was growing up, and I was like, yeah, that guy is super fine. He's really cute. He was and he was a like murderer on that show. He was better on that show than in this movie. I liked him as a murderer. I didn't like him in this. It's just if I had liked anybody, I would have liked this movie. But I didn't care that by the end he had had this change because I didn't see like a seed of that earlier. I didn't see enough of that to be like a part of his personality. I just saw him as like the con artist dude. Like that's what he did day to day. So at the end when they're like, well, really, he's a nice guy. I was like, well, fuck that. It's the movie's almost over and I don't care. Trista, when do we get to have fun again in this movie? When do we get to have fun again? Oh, no, you know, you're right. You're, I'm not disputing any of that at all. <laughs> but let's keep well, it I just right. kept telling myself. Yeah. <laughs> I kept saying, hey, this was the Pepsi generation, and this is how yeah. they did it. And, yeah. you know. This is how you know. This is how they wanted it. Okay, great. Because I mean, it had a sequel, so people like love this movie. It's it's very popular. It's just not one. I mean, this is the same year that like Bachelor Party came out, which also has a lot of like problematic things going on in it. But mm-hmm. the characters are so much better that I just would rather watch that. If you really want to break it down. I mean, the whole point is every one of these sex comedies is problematic. Every single one of them. So I'm with you. I'm totally with you. But that's why we break these down and we're having fun at it. So I appreciate yeah. your uh, I appreciate your view on it. I do. Um, well, you know play. who else was good? Was Rock? What's his name? Rocco, the guy that had the gym. Oh yeah, yeah. The guy that throws he the hard bodies contest. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. His outfits were amazing. <laughs> All the outfits <laughs> in this movie are amazing. You have a lot of checkered. You have a lot of neon. You have a lot of hairdos. This movie is very, very heavy on the 80s and the art direction <laughs> and the uh, costume design. Oh, God. You just scene after scene after scene. Of course, big party scene at their house. Actually, two big party scenes at their house that are fun. Oh, if you really want, God, the uh, for you pervs out there, the sleaziest, <laughs> nastiest scene. Since uh, Trista wants to bring us down, but I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> add, I'll pile, no, I'll pile on the scene where the fat guy pretends to be the uh, designer guy. You know, the modeling agency guy yeah. and all the women get in the room and they're the one girl's trying to be cool and not take her top off. And there's like 20 women taking their top off. And 
if you notice, <laughs> she won't take her fucking top off through the whole scene. She won't do it. She like had the nudity clause in her contract. I'm not showing my tits. That's it. And like all the other women, one of the other women goes, Oh, and I have a really hot body wink, wink and takes it off. And of course the guy has a single camera and he's taken like thousands of pictures. And even Scotty says he walks in and he goes, wow, he's taken a hundred pictures and he hasn't changed his film. I, I looked over at my girl during that scene and she looked at me and she's like, what are we watching? And I'm like, okay, okay, <laughs> calm down. This is the eighties. Calm down. Anyway. Yeah. But you know what? You're like, here's the thing about, and this is what's great about talking about these movies is that I saw it in one way, but you saw it in another way and no one's wrong. It's like, some people can watch this movie and have a great time and not see the things that like other people might see. Right. So I, I, I mean, there's a reason why this movie did so well. Like people love it. And I, I get that. It's just, it, to me, it's not the epitome of like what, what these movies can be and have been. Which is Porky's. Well, that's why it's the gold standard. Everybody thinks it's just a movie about nudity and, you know, oh, you're going to see all the nudity. But no, it has a lot of moral messages to it. It has a lot of racial messages and, uh, you know, not racial, uh, religious messages. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, it gets down to a lot of brass tacks, surprisingly. This one, no. It's objectification of women at the highest order. I'm not going to defend that. It is. It is what it is. You know. And it was in the 80s. I so. enjoy looking at a fine female form and a fine yeah. male form. Like, I have a zero problem with that. It's just the way that this movie is written. It just made me feel like ick. It is ick. Ick, ick. ick. It's called hard bodies. Yeah, that's why it's ick. Yeah. <laughs> It's in the title. All right. Let's play the trailer. Tired of youth exploitation films that promise nothing more than cheap thrills? Well, here's the best one yet. Hard Bodies, the story of a boy. Whatever last night, it was like, oh, man. His girl. actually went back with Scotty Twins Dump. And their up and down romance. Incredible. Cup. This could be my kind of thing. Hard Bodies, rated R, coming soon to a theater near you. All right. You mentioned Roberta Collins, great Roberta Collins. And she is, you know, a regular in this genre. I am going to move on to our next film and link her up to... God, I got a bad track record today. If uh, you think Hard Bodies was sleazy, the fine, fine piece of sleaze which I was going to hit on is like a piece of garbage movie. But, you know, this is where uh, we go a little dark in this genre. School spirit. Uh, this is part of the supernatural <laughs> genre, which is the oddest, grossest, weirdest genre of the sex comedies where you have supernatural powers being used to show tits and ass, from end to end of a movie 
Um, the most famous of these, of course, is Zapped with the fine mm-hmm. uh, douchebag du jour, Scott Baio, who is the biggest piece of scum ever, who I was supposed to interview at the San Diego Film Festival. And uh, he got up in front of an audience of uh, people that saw his latest film. This is about eight years ago. And the first question, of course, he gets from a woman in San Diego. Mm. You know, she's a chill chick. And she goes, so how is doing the show Charles in Charge? And he comes right back at her. He goes, I don't want to talk about that shit. He goes, I want to talk about the movie. Anybody have any questions about the movie and not Charles in Charge? And the place went uh, silent. <laughs> wow. And when the publicist came up to me afterward, I'm representing Variety. I go, I don't need to talk to Scott. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's in a mood. And of course, Ooh. you know, he's a very conservative guy, backs a lot of conservative people. I don't like to get political on here, but he's just, you know, Scott Bayo, douchebag. Uh, but Zap, with him and Willie Ames is the uh, big one of these where they get supernatural powers, start, you know, lifting skirts, popping open, you know, uh, blouses. But School Spirit is a weird little fucked up movie that when I was trying to link around these uh, stars, I was like, oh, I need to talk about this. This movie has to do with a guy that's trying to get laid by he's in college. He's trying to get laid by one of the, you know, up and ups in the school, this really hot woman. uh, And he tries, he says, I got to go get a condom. I'll be right back. And uh, leaves her sitting there goes to get the condom on the way back from getting the condom gets hit by head on by a car or a truck and is dying and then is lying on his deathbed. And then a Clarence type uh, scene happens a la it's a wonderful life where this old man, this old ghost comes and, you know, It's so messed up. He, uh, you know, (laughs) indescribable. The fact that you see a sex comedy try and put It's a Wonderful Life into the movie, and the old guy, he's trying to bang girls in the real world. He materializes in the real world. They do this weird hat flip top thing on the top of their head where they pat their head where they can be seen in the real world. And he, of course, does a shower scene a la... Porky's early in the movie where you see a bunch of topless women and this character it's just ugh. <laughs> the whole movie is ugh. <laughs> as you said but just the, this was a genre that we need to address on this where they we started with fun we hit the apex with Porky's and then we've kind of lowered down and sorry to end on a bummer, everybody, but school spirit is really <laughs> like this just ugh, movie. And there yeah, were a lot of school these. spirit. There were tons of them in late night. You know this. 
you and you guys would watch them and you'd get to the end of it and you'd just want to go take a shower at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, this one, I, um, I tell you one thing, one saving grace about it is that I found, I found little things in the movie to laugh at that, uh, they got a big laugh out of me because everything else was kind of like, ew. But did you notice, like, when he was buying the condom that would eventually kind of end his life, uh, the, did you see the, the names of the condoms on, in the, yes. on the vending machine? Yes. One was called uh, Gorilla Choice. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's a lot. And of... there was another one. Yeah. What's another, another one? another one called... Uh, Black Beauty, and yes. it shows it's a brown condom, but it's like a spaceship, and it's got like flames coming out the back of it, like this brown condom is taking off into space. Yeah, <laughs> it was just oh, bizarre. No, it's special. Oh yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I actually paused it. I'm like, I got to see the names of these. Oh, it was so weird. That's funny that you and I focused on that at the same time. That's great. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but I did like yep. uh we have another Friday the thirteenth alumni in this movie. Yes. Uh Marta Cober. Yes. Uh she was Ursula and she was funny as hell. I want I wish the whole movie had just been about her because she oh, was she's hysterical. Great. She yeah. has that kind of riff randall kind of, you know, rock and roll high school kind of spirit where she was just like all this energy and fun and snappy comebacks. And I was like, I'll watch a movie about this girl any day. One of the only redeeming subplots of this movie is with her. I'm glad you brought it up. So Larry Linville, Frank Burns from MASH is the (laughs) old guy in this fucking movie. And his daughter is played by said, and she's amazing. And so she starts partying with bands. She starts partying with um, the guy that's trying to get laid. She wants to party with everybody. She's amazing. She's a force of nature. When um, they're in jail, when he ends up going to jail, she tries to steal the gun from the guard. Oh, Remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. yeah. What I was mentioning in the beginning of this, when you have that third female and she's out of her fucking mind, that's her. And it was funny yeah. when I was saying that, I was thinking about that character in school spirit because she's just a live wire. Nothing's stopping her. <laughs> For anything, uh-uh. but I want to party my ass off with her. And you're, and and it's funny, she's throwing herself at the lead guy who almost got killed to get laid, and he goes, "Nah, I don't want nothing to do with you." And it's like, dude, are you kidding me? She's the hottest girl. <laughs> she is. Movie. She's the most vulnerable of the whole him. movie. Yes. Yes. She's just so cute and just I like know. she obviously she she never gets naked, but she has no. that bikini scene and you she can tell like, woo, wow. You know, she's got it going on and yeah. if, if he should have ended up with her. Well, no, because I didn't like him. 
she I, did she run off with the band? I hope she did because that. I hope that she been did too. Ending. We're about at the end. Um, where can people find you, Video Vixen, on social media? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at uh, my page, The Video Vixen. And you can find me on Instagram under uh, Trista Perez. That's at Trista, P-R-E-Z. Awesome. And you can find me, just type in Hollywood Greg anywhere. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, You can find at blogtalkradio.com slash Hollywood Greg. You can find Six Degrees of Retro. You can find the Deep Into the Woods podcast, all of my podcasts about movies and retro. You can go there, enjoy. Um, thank you for talking about this strange genre. When I brought it up to you, I was like, is she going to go for this? And then you embraced it completely. <laughs> so I want to thank you for that. And uh, it was good to get a woman's point of view and just in the last few minutes, it was hilarious that you found the movie that I was going to end on as being sleazy. You found the previous one just as sleazy as the last one. So you tipped it in early. Thank you very much for doing that. <laughs> it's good. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening and tune into us on our next, next episode. Any last words? I don't have any last words. I think we pretty much nailed it. What do you got to say? Nailed it is a good way of putting it. (laughs) See you guys. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.